but in my laying awake that night, here's what happened. God renewed my my vision for what he had. Mm. God renewed in me his vision for what he had for Mequon. So I knew that I was to stay. How would you explain your, as best as you can, longevity in, in this ministry? By releasing me, they were actually gaining a pastor who was growing. Yeah. Exactly, keeping me, yeah. It was awkward. Um, <laughs> awkward in the way that they interviewed me. Uh, they set up all of their themselves around a, a horseshoe table and then put me right in the middle in a single chair sitting at that open part of the horseshoe. <laughs> it, was, it was odd. Sometimes pastors will delegate, will pass on with the view that possibly they need to move on and then there's there are people equipped but but in this case it actually contributed to your longevity hey everybody I want to welcome you again to the before you quit podcast where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard and man does it get hard sometimes my name is Mitch Schultz and I am your host and I am also the director of a ministry called fruitful vine ministry uh, I'll get to our topic in just a minute, but before I do that, this will relate to this. What we're going to talk about today made me think about how many times I've moved in my life. <laughs> I, I, meet some, I meet people sometimes who have grown up in the same house, the same town, and, uh, and I, I think I, I can't even relate to that. That's so foreign to me. Uh, I grew up to, uh, to missionary parents, and the common pattern for us as a family was to move usually about every four years, but even during those four four years where we'd come back either to Europe or the States, I'd be bouncing back and forth between home and boarding school. My parents were missionaries in, in Papua, uh, Indonesia, which was back then uh, Irian Jaya, Indonesia. So this means by the time I turned 18, and when I put this on on paper the other day, I, I, it was just unbelievable, uh, exhausting, really. But I'd lived before eight, I was 18, I'd lived in six different countries, uh, Indonesia, Australia, Belgium, Germany, the United States, and Malaysia. But what staggers me even more, and honestly makes me really tired in, in my Lewis and Clark kind of uh, journey, is, is where uh, I ended up living the number of places I lived as an adult, uh, where really an average of every three to four years, I, I was moving from one place to the other. Uh, so since being in ministry, I've served in uh, seven different churches. I've lived in five different states and in two different countries. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm tired just reflecting on that. So as I, as I look at my ministry years, there are various reasons I moved, obviously. Some were healthy. Most of them were healthy. Some were out of hard circumstances. Uh, but today I'm going to talk to a pastor who served in one church for 39 years. He never intended it to be that way, uh, but that's how it ended up happening. And you you heard right, 39 years. I, I tease him a little bit why he couldn't stay and make it 40 years. It would have been a lot more biblical if he had. Uh, so our worlds could not be any different. Uh, but the conversation that we had about longevity in ministry and what is needed to, uh, to have resilience and to stick it out and even to know when it's time to, to move, uh, I believe will help young pastors especially understand what needs to be in place in their own calling, 
not necessarily to have a long ministry in one place, because I, I don't think you are more committed or more spiritual because you've been in one place a long time. I think it's a matter of calling, and uh, it, it really is all, you know, fits into God's sovereignty and his purposes and uh, how he relates all of that, weaves that into our family need, our makeup, uh, but rather how hopefully this will encourage uh, people in ministry uh, to have a long, gospel-driven and focused ministry in life, no matter how many times you move or how many places that you've served. Um, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Bill Ronsheimer. He was the founding pastor at Alliance Bible Church in Mequon, Wisconsin, and he served as the lead pastor here for 39 years. Again, he could have just made it for 40, and it would have been far more biblical uh, but the longevity of their ministry enabled Bill and his wife Pamela to experience the, the triumphs and trials that occur in family and in church life over a period of decades. So even staying in one place lends itself to, to some unique challenges, and he's going to be talking, processing a lot of that with me today. Uh, during their ministry at Alliance Bible Church in Wisconsin, they he was... Uh, a part of planting two churches and completed four building programs. And while serving here, Bill and Pamela also served the Christian and Missionary Alliance as the pastoral care team to overseas missionaries in France and North America. And they served in that capacity for 12 years. He's also the president now of a ministry called Marriage Reconstruction uh, Ministries Incorporated, whose mission is to help men and women rebuild marriages affected by childhood sexual abuse. And Bill and Pamela minister together in bringing a message of hope and healing to other individuals and couples. And uh, we'll be ta- telling you a little bit more about their ministry uh, and give you the website for that. And, and I'd like to have another conversation with Bill to speak specifically to that topic of, uh, of surviving or being married to someone who's a survivor of sexual abuse, because that's a very personal story for, uh, for Bill and Pamela. Uh, they both live in Minnesota now and live near their two daughters and sons-in-laws and three uh, great uh, three grandchildren. So um, I'm super, super excited to have this conversation with uh, Dr. Bill Ronsheimer. Let's go ahead and jump to that right now. All right, I have uh, on Zoom conferencing here a good friend and my former boss, Bill Ronsheimer. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thank you. It's been uh, a long time since we've talked. Well, we've talked, I guess, fairly regularly, but it's been a while since we've seen each other. And you are uh, up in Minnesota now. Yep, enjoying it. Uh, We moved up here a year ago, concluded my ministry uh, there in Wisconsin a year ago. And and, uh, so we decided to get out of town. And we are near uh, our two daughters and their families, so really enjoying this new phase of life. So just just like me, you made a move with family in mind, and that's right. That's uh, that's that's awesome. Well, the the topic today is uh, on longevity in ministry, and you are one of those rare breeds uh, who actually served in one church your entire ministry. And uh, how long were you, how long were you a pastor there? You were in uh, in Mequon, north of Milwaukee. Was there uh, 39 years? Um, Bill, what kept you from 40? I mean, that would have been great to just round it off to a, to a good yeah. number. I mean, were, yeah. you, were you tempted to do that? I mean, all, all your life, you're going to have to say 39, and it could have been 40. I did dream of it. I did dream <laughs> of it. Um, and I, I'm sure I'll be uh, talking about this later on, but, but God's uh, 
sense of call on our lives was mm. so definite, so pronounced that there was no, uh, no wiggling around. Yeah. Interesting. How, how many months were you from it being 40 years? Uh, it was would be a full year? about a whole year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing about, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about going into transitioning out of ministry into retirement. I know you're not really retired as we'll talk, but there was a sense of call. Uh, I love that. And, and I think that will be certainly something that will uh, speak to people who are maybe wondering what's next as they're later in, in that ministry. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was reading uh, online today from Thomas Rayner, and I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, either he or someone he's referring to um, is pastoring a church that's 150 years old. And he said that he was writing that uh, in 150 years, they've had 55 pastors and an average of 2.7 years. And um, your, your story is the opposite of that. And so we're going to talk about, you know, what, what led to you being there that long? What were some of the challenges? What are some of the lessons that can be learned? Uh, but talk, talk about how you started the church, uh, what season of life you're in, and uh, did you ever think that you would serve that long when you, when you started out? Tell that story. Uh, I didn't think I'd serve that long uh, initially. I knew I was a person of longevity, but uh, when I came out of seminary, my first ministry was in Milwaukee and uh, as an assistant pastor. And when I was interviewing for that position, the lead pastor made this statement before we went onto the platform on Sunday morning. He said, he said, I have a vision that whoever we call for this assistant position, that in three years, we'll send them out to be the church planter. Mm. And when he said those words, it, it was that was God speaking to me. And, I, and there was the God whisper in my heart, that's your job description. Mm. And I had never thought about being a church planter. In fact, my wife and I was like the last thing we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was God's uh, call at that time. And when I talked to Pamela about it, my, my wife, the same thing happened within her, that this is what we're to do. So the church did call us. And uh, the vision actually that the lead pastor had actually worked out that way. In three years, they sent us out to the north of Milwaukee with uh, three other families, and we started the church. Uh, I did not, I don't know when I began to entertain thoughts that maybe I'll be here for my whole ministry. I'm not sure when that occurred. But for a long time, when anybody ever suggested it, oh, you'll be here for your whole life, I, I bucked against it. So, I, so I, even early on, others began to sense that there was uh, certainly either momentum or the dynamics of the relationship were such to where, hey, this looks like this could be a long, healthy yeah. ministry. Hmm. Right. And, and so I, you know, I, I didn't like the statement. I, underneath, I thought, what, you don't think I can change? And there was a lot of change going on in the church. But, sure. you know, God definitely, that, that, was, that was his plan. So uh, that's how it started. And uh, it was not a church that ever had uh, fast growth, mm-hmm. but it always had slow, steady. steady mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, again, the, the listeners, uh, some will know. Um, that 
I served with you. You you were my senior pastor. I served as an associate pastor there from 2001 to 2006. Um, and I, I still say that it, it's the healthiest church that I've ever been a part of. And it's the healthiest church that I've, I've heard of. And uh, I, I, I feel like I had a season in my life where I was able to witness a lot of things that are meant to be uh, right about a church. And uh, so it, it's, it, it, was, it was exciting for me to kind of walk in and walk out. Now, I was, I was there five years, and even other staff members had long ministries there. Right. Um, you know, yeah. youth, uh, you've had a youth pastor most recently. When the, the, the most recent youth pastor, he's been there, what, uh, 10, 12 years? Yeah, I think he's going on 12 now, yeah. And your worship so. pastor, our good friend Ian Boldman, was there for how many years? He recently left as well. Uh, he began in 98, uh, so in, up until a couple of years ago, probably 2014, so 14, 24, 20, 26 yeah. years. So that's all, that's all very unusual. Uh, you know, the average, the average stay, yeah, the average stay in a, in a church is four to five years uh, from some of the statistics that I've read and some, some denominations less than that. Um, were there were there moments in the 39 years where you you I mean I'm not talking about just thinking about moving but where you were actually making plans to move, and then what what changed what kept you there? There were times when I wondered if we were to move and did some interviewing. Never were we, never where we were starting to to pack our bags. Uh, but do you want me to? get into that as far as uh, how that occurred. It wasn't that many times, but they, they are interesting stories. Uh, there were only three times. So those were specific opportunities that you were, you were yeah. considering. How far did you, how far did you go in considering those opportunities? Okay. If I can take time, I'll, I'll just. Sure. Briefly oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's great to have illustrations. You know, one of the questions I often ask is, Hey, tell me a story of how that works. And I mean, this is a, a good, good way to do that. Well, first of all, the opportunities were rare because uh, we were often going into a building program or just coming out of one, or we had a staff addition or a church plant. And those are not good times to leave. Mm -hmm. So those windows where it would have been okay to leave were, were rare. But there was one time, and I think it was one of the first times, where there was this window where a tran the church could have survived a transition. I would say it was about 11 or 12 years into a, my tenure there. And I wasn't seeking anything, but I was approached by a district superintendent who had approached me several times before. And I thought, well, okay, maybe, you know, I need to be open to God here. So I went to the church, both Pamela and I did, for an initial interview. It was awkward. Um, mm -hmm awkward in the way that they interviewed me. Uh, they set up all of their themselves around a, a horseshoe table and then put me right in the middle in a single chair sitting at that open part of the horseshoe. <laughs> it, it was, it was odd. Um, did you just want to, did you want to walk out of the room at that moment? <laughs> I wasn't bold enough, but I would have, you know, in retrospect, I should have said, uh, gentlemen, when you en interview the next guy, uh, here's where it <laughs> might do be that. Feeling for him. But, uh, I didn't have enough. I'll tell you the truth. I didn't have enough nerve or courage to do that. Hey, our, but, our, uh, our parallel to that was a church that we candidated at. And one of the women's, the elders wives said to Elaine, Oh, now that you're here, 
uh, you can be the women's ministry director. And, and that, that was like right at the beginning of the weekend. And we're like, okay. I mean, later when we reflected on that, we made our decision right then. Yes. We're not coming yeah. here. So that, yeah. that's your equivalent there, the, yeah, whole, right. the horseshoe table. <laughs> but as I was thinking about this question, it, I, I was able to discern something that uh, the church was way behind. For example, in its decor, it was behind a couple decades at mm-hmm. least. And I did not know how to lead a church through that. And I thought, what's the difference? Because I was leading Mequon through many changes. Mm-hmm. But the difference was with Mequon, I was leading through changes so that we could keep up. With the church in Minnesota, it would have been a matter of catching up. Yeah. And so my skill set wasn't fit for the church. Uh, after that interview, Mitch, that night, we were we were in one of the homes of the people in the church. They didn't put us up in a hotel. That was another mistake. But we're in the downstairs, and I got I got sick that night. And just enough to say the toilet was constantly flushing. I wonder, it was kind of embarrassing after a while being in that home. But in my laying awake that night, here's what happened. God renewed my my vision for what he had. Mm. God renewed in me his vision for what mm. he had for Mequon. So... I knew that I was to stay, and uh, so and, and it, took, it took that opportunity to confirm that to you, right? Because I was a a little restless during that time, wondering and and not wanting to res- resist God by just digging in my heels and staying in Macwan. So it was very uh, encouraging that that God, you know, yeah. Rather- and you had, so you had two other opportunities. I remember, one, I think when we were there, you had an opportunity to do a church plant somewhere, and you shared yeah. that yeah. with me at a restaurant, and I think this was our first year that we were there, and I was yeah. like, gulp. I, I came there, yeah. you know, because of you. We, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we're at a stage in life where we, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was a place, that church was a place of healing for us, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had come back from the mission field and gone through a lot as a family. And yeah. you sat down to tell me that you were thinking about possibly leaving. I, I just said, no, 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 don't do that. And I was afraid what that would mean in terms of the, you know, my future, uh, whether that would add a yeah. responsibility, responsibility to me there in the church or perhaps, you know, cut, bring about a transition. I was, uh, I don't know if it was restlessness needing a new challenge or what, but over time, God, you know, revealed again, no, you, you, that I would be escaping if I would have taken yeah, that opportunity yeah, and yeah. would have escaped into something that I would not have been probably uh, able to do. Uh, yeah. Well, let, let's let's move away from that because again, I, what you're sharing there is that uh, that one of the things that that kept you uh, where you were was this opportunity to consider something else, and and all that did was reignited a passion exactly. and, a, and a heart for. Uh, the church where you were at there at, at in Mequon. Um, how would you explain your, as best as you can, longevity in, in this ministry? There would be three, among whatever answers there would be that I would list over a long period of time, there would be, there, there are three things I can easily identify. One is just the, the principle of always releasing the, the need that I had to always release. For example, and here's an example involving Pamela, when the church first started, she was she was the missions department. She did all of the missions education, everything. And people loved how she did it. She presented well, made it interesting. But she saw the need that uh, she was the one to get it going, but to hand it off. 
And so we were constantly, as church planters, doing our ministries, but also looking at how we could hand it off and releasing that. I had, I had a pretty pronounced way in how I needed to learn that. Well, your predecessor, Mitch, the associate at that time, I remember that uh, there were some people that wanted him to do the baptism. And it was the first time that I wasn't going to be doing a baptism in the church. Now, this is really going to sound childish, but I got uh, I got jealous about that. Mm. And even called our district superintendent because I thought I should be doing all the baptisms. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, Bill, do, do you want do you want the opportunities to reach people to grow? I said, well, yeah. He said, well, when you have multiple staff, they will naturally gravitate to different staff members, and you mm. need to celebrate that. And, I, you know, it was a wake-up moment mm. for me. And I, you know, it's embarrassing to tell the story now, but uh, I had to uh, realize that my call with staff was to release them, to use their gifts, and to fulfill their calling that God had given them. And that meant allow the other pastors to do the pastoral functions. So that, that was a turnaround point. And as I began to learn more and more to uh, uh, release other staff to do their ministries and not be threatened by anything. And, and it, it's, inter- it's interesting, if I can interject here, that, that sometimes pastors will delegate, will pass on with the view that possibly they need to move on. And then there's, there are people equipped. But, but in this case, it actually contributed to your longevity in that you had a uh, a healthy leadership team. And, and the years that, I mean, it's interesting that you tell that story because uh, it's it set up really for uh, an environment when I came where it was not just other staff who you had empowered, but also lay people. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that church was, uh, people owned uh, so many ministries and, and they, they really felt, I mean, anyone who wanted to serve uh, could do that in that church. You know, they were, yeah. they were encouraged to do that. Um, so that, yeah. So it's interesting that you say that that delegating was one of the uh, one of the explanations for uh, why the, you you had a long long ministry there. And another reason was the church then releasing me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't hold on to me. I had an opportunity eighteen years into the ministry there to uh, serve as an interim pastor over in Paris, France at the International Church there. Yes. Mm-hmm. So for three months, the church let me go and paid my salary during those three months, a huge step of yeah. the church. And guess, guess who preached during those three months that you were gone? <laughs> I remember. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I do remember well, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the first of two opportunities. Then after that, they released us to serve as a pastoral care team for our denomination, uh, serving some missionaries in Europe. They released me to do doctoral studies uh, later in my ministry. So by releasing me, they were actually gaining a pastor who was growing. Yeah. Exactly, keeping me, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what do you say to elders who are protective of their, their pastor's um, ministry to them where they could actually benefit by allowing him to expand, to grow, uh, particularly where he might be, you know, longing to, to equip better, uh, to sort of expand his, uh, his, his, his abilities in certain areas. What, what, what would you say to them? Well, it is a step of faith for a church board, uh, because there's 
loss of security. Their pastor isn't right there, maybe, as he mm-hmm. was. Or, you know, for uh, example, he wants to do a doctorate, and it means he's not going to be as available. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what can the elders uh, hear that this is actually good for them as well as for their pastor? The best I can answer that is uh, they're going to reap the benefits. They're going to be hearing sermons that go deeper. They're going to be hearing from a man who feels refreshed because of what he's learned, and he gets to pass it on to others. Mm. So if they're willing to take the step of faith, they'll be the ones to reap the benefits. Mm. Mm. Uh, Great, great answer. There there was a third aspect in our longevity as well, and that was just, and you've mentioned it, Mitch, the, the love and the grace of the church. And that, that's a, that was a God work. Um, 13 years into our ministry, uh, Pamela, my wife, and this is a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast, but uh, due to uh, some childhood sexual abuse she endured, uh, she had a complete emotional and physical breakdown. Yes. She was in the hospital for four weeks. And that, that was shattering for me wasn't quite sure how to really how to reveal it to the church and and we did uh not immediately but uh, months later we shared with them what was going on in our lives we were just broken it was messy but the church loved us and prayed us through it we would we mm. would have not survived without the support of the church um that that kept us. That can, yeah, yeah. I mean, who would who would not want to continue serving in a in a, uh, a place where the community is behind yep. uh, and supporting you during a hard time? You know, I I I I'm I'm constantly calling for that. A, uh, a where there's a community of believers supporting their pastor, supporting his wife, and and it requires. You touched on this. You know, there was a point where uh, it was risky to be transparent, but it was healthy. Because it invites people uh, into your life, and pastors who are, are maybe reluctant to be open and transparent uh, are missing out. Um, you know, sometimes they're afraid to let out too much for fear that it might ruin the impression that people have. But I, I think it deepens relationships when a pastor is open about his struggles or even his wife's struggles. So inter- interesting that you cite that as a reason for, uh, yeah, but again, who would not want to stay <laughs> in right. a situation right. like that? Yeah. Hey Bill, is do you think there's a, a a sense where it's it's easier to stay than to move on? I'm not sure if I would use the word easier. Safer. Um, you, well, safer in that you know what you have, rather mm-hmm. than going into the unknown. That's true. Mm-hmm. But I never wanted to stay in anything that was plateaued. If if everything would have plateaued, and not changed, I would have thought, well maybe I'm not the one to keep leading this church. So th- there was always the, the challenge of something new or, or sometimes it was the challenge of something not so good that kept me. So I, I just wonder if sometimes a pastor uh, stays for quite a long time in a ministry and he becomes complacent. Uh, maybe that's what I'm looking for in that question that it's easy to stay because there's no conflict. He's you know relatively well accepted, yeah. uh, but maybe he's gotten a little bit bored. But there's the you know there's there's not enough of a motivation or a calling to to something else. Well, here's where I was uh, very conscious of the danger of of that, and that was I would say my last ten years in ministry there. 
because I was getting to the age where if I was to end in Mequon, I was not that appealing to another church because of my age. Mm-hmm. And so though throughout my ministry, I did not want to hang on to that church any more than what God had me there for, the temptation to feel like I needed to hang on began to set in in the, that last decade or so. Now, fortunately, there, there were other things going on in, in our lives that were preparing us for more in the future. And there was movement in the church for some, that, that some spiritual growth was occurring. So it was still okay to stay. But I thought, boy, if I start getting the signs that our time is up, this is going to be tough. Yeah, 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 and I and I say to older pastors to really be alert to that. Yeah, it encompasses fear. You know, a guy gets in his fifties and he wonders, you know, can can I really see myself here for the next ten, fifteen years? If not, am I? You know, forgive me for using this term, but it is used. At least it's it's considered uh, as as a relative term here, relevant term. You know, am I marketable? enough at this age. Uh, I did, I did have a podcast where we, we talked about that of, you know, when is it time to, to move? So, uh, you know, uh, people can certainly go back and that was with Steve Karhoulis where I, uh, where I talked about, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Uh, hey, let's, uh, let's take a, just a brief break here. And um, I, I need to just make a couple little announcements uh, about the podcast and, and my blogs. And then we'll be back in just a minute. Okay, let me just take a moment to remind you that this podcast is a stream of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Uh, I'm the director of this ministry, and what we do in large part is provide counseling and encouragement to pastors and people in ministry who are hurting. So I just want to offer that to any of you who are listening. If you want uh, some help and encouragement, and you probably are at a season in life where, hey, it'd be good to reach out to someone outside of your context who could sit with you for a season of time to process what you're going through. Or if you want to refer me to somebody, please pass on this information to them. want to remind you also that Fruitful Vine Ministry is a uh, nonprofit uh, 501c3, uh, and any donations are tax-deductible. And we do raise support for this so that we don't charge people when we're ministering to them. So if you would be interested in providing support so that we can uh, not place that burden on people. Uh, we found oftentimes when people are hurting in ministry, they along with that sometimes comes financial burdens, and we don't want to place that additional strain on them. So uh, with that in mind, let's go back to our conversation with Dr. Bill Ronsheimer. All right, I'm uh, back with uh, Bill Ronsheimer and talking about longevity in ministry and, and uh, what does it take to be in a church for a long time, and what are some of the challenges with that? Uh, Bill, what describe the seasons as you know as you look back nearly forty years? Uh, how would you break down? I mean, it's got to be fun for you to look back over one yeah. corridor in your life. I mean, for me, it's like I'm looking at like five or six different corridors, and I would I would describe all of them differently. There are different seasons and different contexts and places. You know, you have the luxury to look back and just one ministry how 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 do you look back i mean how do you describe the you know the those those years and and what that was like and and then also how important were those in your staying as well maybe you've touched on that some some but maybe expand on that some more uh i'll share from a couple of perspectives the first one very briefly a more of a personal perspective 
and and that has to do with what I had just mentioned earlier, that 13 years into the ministry there, Pamela and I go through a real-life crisis ourselves. I would say, and, and that year was a defining year for us, but also a defining year for the church. Prior to that time, I was just interested in doing the right thing. But after that brokenness for us, it was more about being the people God was shaping us to be. Mm. And in today's lingo, the overused words of transparency and authenticity, but that's, that's what mm. it became. Mm. Uh, we, took the, we were vulnerable enough to open our lives up to what was really going on inside and sharing it with the congregation. And as a result, uh, the church became a place of healing and restoration. So that was post that mm. breaking year. And, and, you know, I think of, of your family, Mitch, coming at a time when God was restoring you out of all of the health crises. It was a fitting place because of what God had been doing previously. So, mm. so that's my personal perspective. But looking at it more from a, a church organizational perspective, I, I would say there were four phases and the first phase was very short, the first six years, because being a church plant, uh, we just had to establish that we were viable in the community. We were in a traditional community, so temporary meeting places just didn't, weren't fitting for churches mm -hmm. in people's minds. So, you know, the, the earthly things of needing land and a building, those were important. So that, that was the first six years. But then the next 12 years became, that's phase two, a time of growing and multiplying. Uh, in, in fact, uh, our 18th year in, I don't know of any other church that's had this happen, and we didn't plan it this way, but we went through a, a major building program uh, for our new sanctuary and our first church plant at the same time. Mm. I'll never forget the board meeting when we began to realize <laughs> this was happening. <laughs> but here's the point. Hey, who put, who put both of these things on the calendar on the same day, huh? <laughs> exactly. And uh, I just had to arrive at the principle that you have to trust God in the sovereignty of his timing. Mm. Um, mm. We, had a, we had previously attempted to plant churches and they miscarried, if I can use that mm -hmm. uh, term. But then when this opportunity was occurring, we couldn't stop it. It was yeah. so much of God. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, our our flesh entices us to live in, in a comfort zone, but God calls us to live in a courageous zone. Mm -hmm. and, and this was quite the time of those two things occurring. I remember what... Uh, well, I recall what uh, A.W. Tozer said, that God is looking for those through whom he can do the impossible. Mm. And what a pity it is when we settle only for those things that we can do ourselves. Mm. Mm. So, my goodness, you know, I look back on, on that phase and I just say, God, he was incredible in all that. Yeah. So, it, so it sounds like you had, you had things that kept happening that ignited you, excited you. There were risks to it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you well enough. You're, you know, you're not a huge risk taker, but you, you still, usually you look back over the 40 years, uh, th there were certainly enough moments where things could have gone far differently than they did. And I, I think, uh, yeah. again, uh, a strong sense of family, 
yep. you know, willingness to uh, to move ahead when with uncertainty. But there was a momentum there that obviously, uh, you know, carried you through, uh, yep. which which is exciting. And you know, I feel excited about it now. But yeah, but it's yep. because it's an opportunity to see God. Mm. Uh, then, Mitch, there was a, a third phase. That second phase was growing and multiplying. The third phase was testing and renewal. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and you remember some of these things. They, it was during the years you were there, but it's not because of you. <laughs> but we, we, had, we had people leave for, and, and all of these things kind of piled up on each other. There was a, a, a doctrinal issue for a, a, a group that was within the church, and they eventually left. And then there was a discipline issue we dealt with, and, and uh, then there was a staff transition. and. Those three, none of them went well, uh, and we we lost a lot of people. And then, now this was after you, uh, I went on a sabbatical, and stuff broke loose while I was gone on the sabbatical. So here's what I learned out of that: the trials will come. I mean, we had not faced trials like this up to that time, but they're going to come, and because it happens to us personally as well, is it's going mm. to happen to us uh, corporately. But I think about how they can be endured when we keep our eyes on the mission God has called us to. Mm. I, I think of Jesus on the cross uh, for the joy set before him. Yeah. And, and what God sets before us, that's, that's what held us together as a leadership and, and kept me going. Um, I, I, so... Yeah, not just you, but the church collectively uh, yeah. stayed on mission. Yeah, uh, and again, the the years that I was there when there were challenges, I remember the music war was was one of those challenges. Yeah, um, that was the, yeah. yeah, but le- you know, the leadership got together and spent a weekend retreat and and formed a philosophy on on worship and music, and it wasn't defensive. It's like, hey, we we need to uh, to define more clearly who we are, and that was that was packaged in a nice little booklet. We handed that out to everybody. And uh, it was done beautifully. I, 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 think, I think one of the key things that I, I drew from that helped me and some of the challenges I had afterwards was uh, not to be defensive, but to, you know, how does the gospel speak to conflict? How, how, how does the gospel um, address the challenges? And, and again, as you're citing, uh, keeping focused on, on what the church is all about is, is one of the ways to pr- push through. Uh, those difficulties. But what you're talking about, each of those things that you're citing are the things that happen when a pastor quits. Uh, you know, many, many pastors quit because they're, they're, or it's, it's beginning of a change for them. You know, the uh, conflict, uh, doctrinal issues. Um, and, and again, what you're, what you're discussing here are staying on focus that kept you there, contributed yeah. to the longevity. Right. There were times where I wondered if I would need to mm. because it really felt fragile at times. And I, I, I knew that God was testing me, but uh, that, that's how we grow. And so it, so it, why, why did you not quit? Because I, I still had a f- sense of fresh vision from God as to what he had for the church. Mm. Um, and also because the fact that it was fragile was not enough reason to quit. I mean, mm. fragile brought fear to me, but uh, it would have just led to the inst- uh, 
it would have furthered the instability at the time if I would have left during that time. Yeah, good, good. Uh, you know, and I, some people thought I was the problem, I'm sure. I knew in my heart that I wasn't the problem of what was going on. So that would, that would be another thing. I think pastors have to do some big soul searching. By all means, Mitch, I'm not saying I did everything right. But uh, that's very disillusioning, Bill. I always had the impression that you did. <laughs> yeah, there were times I thought I did. But no, uh, no, but. Hey, what what uh, what kept you from getting comfortable? Uh, again, especially you know, two decades in, you're loved, you're established, you're familiar. You you move from being a pastor in a way. To, you know, I hope you're okay with me saying this. Having kind of a a father presence to your congregation. Yeah. There was always uh, things I was involved in that I w- didn't necessarily think that I totally knew how to do. Opportunities to keep growing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if this is a good answer, but here's here's one example. We'd go. We had gone through three building programs, and I came to realize that I didn't want the church's growth to be measured by whether there was another building program or not. I knew that there had to be something internal that would measure our growth, not just the external stuff. Mm. And that, that was a, you know, as I think about that, that was really a driving force in, in just staying, staying, staying. And I wasn't comfortable because I knew God still had a greater inner work to do in us. Mm. So there was always something to do. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, hey, that's an easy answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. How, how did others play a role in, in you having a, a healthy self-awareness relative to, to your continuing? It was important for me to uh, find mentors who were outside of the church. Hmm. Um, there have been, over the years, some key men that uh, influenced me. Uh, Rich Brown, who is out in California. John Casey, who is uh, serving in Wheaton at the time. And then even those who, though I did not know personally, uh, through reading, Gordon McDonald became mm. a mentor mm. and uh, went through his uh, 60-day self-study, which is connected with his book, The Resilient Life. And uh, that was a, a huge growth point in me and helped me to grow in self-awareness. Uh, my district superintendent at the time, Gary Russell, was another one that spoke into my life. And uh, of some of the men I mentioned, some of them were saying to me, uh, and this was during my sabbatical year, go back to school. Hmm. And I, boy, I didn't like that at all. I, they said, if you're really going to keep growing in your final 10 years, you know, go back to school. I was insulted by it. However, there was, they were a cloud of witnesses. There were three or four respected people in my life, people whom I respected who were telling me the same thing. And uh, I realized that that's, I did, so I be, that's when I pursued the doctorate. Yeah. And, and again, a leadership and a church that was, that was uh, supporting it, even in empowering yeah. it, encouraging it. Yep. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, 
Oh, I, I, I wanted to ask you, let's transition to what you're doing now, but let me, let me ask you to sort of wrap up this, this part of the conversation and we'll take a few minutes to talk about your, your current ministry. Um, what do you say to people who suggest that there, there should be a time limit to, to a ministry? Uh, if, again, one of, one of the podcasts that I mentioned earlier, we talked about, you know, when is the time to move on? Uh, what balance is necessary to, to that conversation? Years ago, I remember hearing uh, in our denomination a, a respected pastor who was serving in Ohio, older gentleman, and he talked about the dangers of leaving too soon and how you will miss the blessings of what God wants to do when he does the deeper work. Uh, I, I, both Pamela and I saw in so many ways that we were able to impact people's lives in ways that could only occur because of the length of time we were there. Uh, if you're there long enough, you're walking through so many different life situations with people and you grow through that together. Well, you're doing weddings for the children of people that you did weddings for. Well, and baptizing you, yeah, children of the, people that you had baptized. Exactly. But, mm. but then the tough stuff of funerals or mm. cancer, yeah. whatever mm. it might be. Um, and being able to have that richer ministry because of the rich uh, trust and relationship that there is. Um, I, I, I think a lot of things might be compromised or sabotaged if a person just leaves too early. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't at all mean that short ministries are are of less value or or impact. Um I mean they're I I feel like I'm I'm finally settling down with what I'm doing now and then or I thought that and I don't know if you know this I'm I'm currently an interim pastor at a church and we had no plans of doing that. And uh so there are there are some it you know it's interesting it got, it, it does seem like God does call some people to a long ministry in one place, but others are are more in transition. What I'm always concerned about is leaving a ministry in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know, and one of the things we talk a lot about in in, uh, in our blogs and podcasts is that um, you, you know you you can leave in a healthy way even when the situation or the ministry is unhealthy. I, I I'm more interested in the pastor being healthy that he is you know, reconcile conflict in his heart, that he's not leaving with bitterness. Um, th- those are the short ministries that, that are often unfortunate. Uh, but, but it doesn't mean that sometimes people are, you know, five years in, in a ministry and they're ready to move on. You know, God has used them there. Uh, so again, that's the balance that I think is, is needed in that conversation. Boy, Mitch, what you said is so important, the, the bitterness thing. And, and uh, you know, there, the, Mequano is, I can't imagine it having been any better, but I, I remember there were people whose houses I wanted to burn down. I was so angry at them. <laughs> and, and we pastors, you know, we need to really deal with the, the bitterness that's mm. in our own hearts, the yeah. forgiveness that we need to extend and the grace. Um, yeah, we, there's a lot of the, your, your question about self-awareness is so important and ha- allowing others to speak into our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, what are you doing now? Well, um, you know, God has 
brought incredible healing to Pamela over the years. And uh, we've had a long journey in our marriage in this matter of uh, dealing with the effects of childhood sexual abuse. But God brought healing, and we saw that there was something he had done for us that others weren't uh, really being able to experience yet. And, and we wanted to be good stewards of the healing he brought. So, uh, and I, believe me, I went through counseling as well, but uh, back in 2007, I pursued this doctorate where I did social research on this whole topic, how it affects marriage and how husbands respond when their wives have been sexually abused. Uh, came out of that, we re Pamela and I realized that God was going to use us. We couldn't quite envision totally how that was going to be. But opportunities opened up for us to speak or to one-on-one. On one. And then in 2015, at the beginning of the year, God spoke independently to each of us. And uh, both of us realized independently that it was a good time for the church to go through the transition of us leaving. Mm. And, and that the opportunities of what is now marriage reconstruction ministries. That's are, your minis the ministry you're in now. That's our ministry now. We're going was going to grow, so uh, you know, we spoke to our board and uh, gave the church a year and a half notice of what we saw as our final date. God worked a marvelous transition. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, there, you, but you actually brought a pastor in, and you were there for several months while there was a three month overlap. Yes, mm -hmm. after Brian came, and then they kept me out. We moved, but they kept me as kind of as in an advisory role for several mm -hmm. months. But wow. Wow. Uh, God's timing is just incredible because <laughs> the opportunities are, are really developing for marriage reconstruction ministries, uh, working one-on-one -on -one with a lot of people now, and mm -hmm. I'm in the process of writing a book, and uh, just thankful for that. As far as the, that ministry, uh, to just describe it, it we, we exist to educate survivors of abuse, uh, couples and church leaders regarding the effects of what sexual abuse does and its effect upon relationships. And then we serve as a resource for hope and healing to mm. in all of those settings. Uh, so we're thankful for what God has led us to um, because there's a lot of people, we're in an incredible time in our culture right now where people are speaking out. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, there's so much shame attached to uh, the abuse that it's very difficult for survivors and couples to. But but given the fact that it is more, uh, you, you know, it's it's easier for for people to speak out. It's good that they have others positioned like yourselves who are, have experienced it, uh, but also have been equipped to to help. Uh, yep. for them to go to. That, that's wonderful. That's what we want to serve. The, uh, the website for your ministry? Uh, MarriageReconstruction.com or Marriage Reconstruction Ministries. Either one will get somebody there. So. Okay, and we'll, uh, we'll put that link on the, uh, on the website as well. Uh, well, Bill, the, the thought I have in my mind is, you know, here, you know, nearly 40 years of ministry um, and what what I know of you, and and also it's reinforcing what you're saying: a, a deep love for your wife, uh, a commitment to her, a church that was extremely um, nurturing. Uh, you know, I know there there are bumps in the road through the whole thing, 
but for you to be to to leave that and uh, to be faithful to your wife, committed to her, seeing her healed, and now to be in a place where you're able to take all of that and see it shaped into a ministry is a is a wonderful testimony of what God will do. It's the uh, redemptive work of God. It is awesome. It's awesome. Well, this has been uh, this has been a just. Again, it's great talking with you again, but uh, just wonderful to be able to hone in on, on that subject of longevity. Anything that you want to say to, to wrap up here? I have one last story that is so essential to this whole thing for pastors, I think. I'd love I, to hear it. With uh, my successor, there was a three-month overlap. So on July 31st, I preached my last sermon as lead pastor. On August 1, Brian became the lead pastor. Mm -hmm. And I was determined that in every way possible. I wanted to demonstrate to the church he is their new lead pastor. So in that last week of July, I moved out of my office so that he could move into the office I was using. Even though I was going to be there another few months, he moved into my office. He was now the lead pastor. Before he got there, on that uh, week before he became the lead pastor, he cleared out the office that he was going to use. And I went in there, and I knew I knew I probably needed to have a good cry. I wasn't sure mm -hmm. if I had, you know, grieved enough. I wasn't quite sure, but I sat down and I began to sob. <laughs> but it was sobbing over all the great things God had done. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that the crummy stuff didn't come to my mind. Mm -hmm. The messy stuff wasn't there. God just brought all the celebratory things to my mind. And here's the sentence that God gave me, Mitch: I got to do this. Mm. I got to do this. Mm. God let me have that ministry. It was a privilege. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. I got to do it. <laughs> and that has really helped me in my redeployment as well. Mm -hmm. I look mm -hmm. back on the pastoral ministry. There's aspects of it that, you know, were so fun. You kind of wish you could go back for a day and then second thought you think, no, not. But anyway, mm -hmm. you'd like to go back in some ways. But no, that was then. I got to do that. Yeah. And God has something now that's just as fresh as complete. That's wonderful. I understand the congregation played a joke on you during your last Sunday there. Boy, if they did, I wasn't aware. Oh, I, I thought they, they – oh, yeah. yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, was that – am I recalling correct? The, the, uh, the Packer thing, was that – No, I, I, I heard that everyone sat in different seats. Yes, that's what it was. I was trying to remember what did – yeah, that's right. Through you all. First few when they were coming, I thought, that's odd. Why would they be sitting there today? And then I got up to preach and I was like, oh, <laughs> that was a fun moment. That was a fun. But as I recall, in the middle of summer, they were also wearing Packer jerseys too, which um, having lived in Wisconsin all those years, I still There's not, nothing new there. Yeah, yeah. That's so. common. Well, it just, it, you know, it shows that you were very familiar with them. You knew your people. You knew where they sat. and. Yeah. It threw you off when they uh, they changed their places. Well, Bill, thank you. Crazy, and they loved me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Bill. This has been super encouraging, and um, we'll look forward to talking again. We would, you know, as we talked before, we'd love to talk more about your ministry. So let's let's talk about making that a another podcast at some point. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to the Before You Quit podcast. And if you have any comments or questions about anything that we've talked about today, 
with Dr. Bill Ronsheimer or on anything that you've heard before, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. I'd also encourage you to go to our website and check out other podcasts and blogs that I have uh, put out there uh, that relate to a number of very, very uh, relevant and interesting subjects related to ministry life. And also, if you can go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating there, we'd really appreciate that. And also a brief review, review that helps to promote this podcast and get it out there so more people can hear it. So until next week, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. Stay encouraged.